This is the Bama Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today we explore the shortest prophet in Tanakh, the book of Obadiah Ovaja, and its condemnation of the nation of Edom for their lack of care for their brother and their neighbor. Ovaja. Obadiah. Another good prophet. Good stuff. Um, That's probably why he made the cut, right? Probably. Uh, we have a presentation for you today. If you want to pull it up, it's going to be a little useful. Uh, while they do that, let's review. While everybody goes to pull up the presentation, we'll review. Uh, we had uh, four pre-Assyrian prophets. We had, um, uh, who do we have, Brent? We had Amos, Amos. and Hosea. What were their uh, images? Plum lion and ripe fruit for Amos okay. and prostitute for Hosea. Okay. What about uh, the two Judah prophets for pre-Assyria? Micah and first Isaiah with the images of a judge and a vineyard. All right. Respectively. Perfect. And we have uh, four prophets in the Assyrian time period. We had uh, Jonah and Nahum. Okay. Jonah's image was? Potential. And Nahum? Dean. Dean. Hebrew word for uh, a pronouncement of justice. Maybe a little bit more, not truly retributive justice, but maybe more retributive than, what's the other word for justice, Brent? Mishpat. And that's what kind of justice? That is distributive. Distributed. Putting everything in its right place. Bringing shalom. Okay, and then we had two Judah prophets for the Assyrian time period. Um, we had Zephaniah. Yep. And his image was uh, Shuvah. Shuvah. As in return. Yeah. And then we had second Isaiah with the image of woe. Perfect. And then we are working our way through which time period? Now we're in the Babylonian prophets. Babylonian prophets. Okay, my turn. Jeremiah was a weeping prophet. Uh, Lamentations was an alphabetic chiastic acrostic, which at the center of that, its image is this combination of lament and hope. Like the whole book gives us space for lament and grief, but the center of the chiasm, the buried treasure, is this uh, really, it's not even a sprinkling, it's this buried treasure, this nugget of hope sitting right in the middle of the book. It's like Aladdin in that giant... What a fantastic image. <laughs> that giant staircase with the, with the lamp and the little spotlight pointing down. Yeah, I'm a big fan of any Aladdin references that we can use. Sure. One of my favorite Disney movies. Um, by the way, we just had this discussion uh, with some members from uh, Bema Tacoma. Um, not on the map, but they exist nonetheless. Um and uh, let's see here. We were Not talking on about the map. Yeah, I know, right? I know. Let me know about that. I don't know. Uh, and then we have we were talking about greatest Disney movies. Little little Bayma PS. Little Bayma side note here, Brent. Famous like your favorite Disney movie. What is it? Uh, mine is Beauty and the Beast. Is it really? That's fantastic. <laughs> wow. Why? Uh, I just I just love it. Okay. I don't think we have time to get into it. Oh, okay, good. Uh, we can make this. We can make this a whole different kind of Baymont podcast. We could start critiquing Disney movies. We could. We could. Uh, my favorite has to be Aladdin. Okay. I, I mean, there are better, like deeper, more profound. Like Lion King's pretty. That's pretty great. But um, but Aladdin for me has just been like the most entertaining. You can't beat Robin Williams. The guy was just incredible. Oh, yeah. well, Aladdin is certainly up there. Oh, man, pretty good. Pretty good. All right. Well, back to business. That was a fun little trip down personal. Brent and Marty Lane there? Yes. Well, nevertheless. Uh, what are we talking about? We're talking about Ovaja. All right. So um, we had weeping for Jeremiah's image. We had lament hope for uh, lamentations. And we had one prophet still to go. It was the prophet of who? Oh, uh, well, last week we talked about... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, Habakkuk. There we go. Yeah, Disney brain right there. Habakkuk. Quote, unquote, last week. Yeah. And we really didn't As we record, that was like 10 minutes ago. That's right. That's right. So (laughs) we had, uh, I didn't really spend a lot of time on the image of Habakkuk, but uh, was in the title of our show. Watchtower. 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 We talked about it. Fair amount. Be the image that we have for uh, whenever we do our review for Habakkuk. So today, and the point is really of Habakkuk not to be in the Watchtower. Yeah, in a sense. Yeah, yeah, in, in a sense. However, I, I I like God's God seemed to be a respecter of Habakkuk's chutzpah. That's true. So I like that. There's a part of me that always wants to be the kind of guy who would be like, no, I want more of an answer than that. I'm going to climb in my watchtower, and I'm going to sit here. Now, I don't know if I want the humbling experience of letting God answer that retort, but, yeah. Well, God uses the people with chutzpah. He does. He does. That's all right. We've seen it time and time again. Speaking of chutzpah, this prophet is going to be written to, uh, people are going to wonder where that reference, and what does this have to do with chutzpah? Because we had a particular biblical character that introduced us to the concept of having a life built around chutzpah. Not Abraham, but his grandson who? Jacob. Jacob. Now this Jacob ended up having a brother, which is going to play a big part of the story today. Because Obadiah is uh, not written to Israel or Judah. Obadiah is written, and I would really say it was, I would imagine, the way it's written, probably intended for actual Edom. Edom is the audience of Obadiah. It's not written to Judah. It's written to Edom. Now, Edom was the descendants of who, Brent? Of Esau. Esau. So I think in the first slide of your presentation today, we have a map. And it's one of the maps we used, I think, back in Amos. has some references on the map to Amos. But um, uh, it showed the neighbors, the neighboring nations. And so I wanted to throw it back in front of you because Westerners were really bad about biblical geography. We don't typically care. But it's, it's helpful to see where Edom lies in reference to Israel. They just sit just to the east, east-southeast of the land of Israel. And... Uh, and and they are neighbors, but they also are more than just neighbors. They're different than Philistia. They're different than, I mean, really even Ammon or Moab, even though they're slight distant cousins, um, they're different than Phoenicia. Edom is the descendants of Esau, and Edom happens to be kind of the long-lost brother of the people of Judah. The children of Abraham. Yeah, children of Abraham. So, I mean, they're kind of more closely tied and connected to the story than a Moab or definitely more than a, a, a Philistia or a Phoenicia. Um, they have a maybe a uniqueer, even a more covenantal relationship with God. And so God has something to say about them. But uh, just a little history before we dive into this very short one chapter, prophet. Uh, Edom, Esau's descendants, become Edom. Edom eventually becomes known in history, when is debated and argued about all the time, but Edom eventually becomes known by history as the Idumeans, Idumea and the Idumeans. And then somewhere in history, although this is debated too, the Idumeans are synonymous with the Nabataeans, the Nabataean Idumeans. In fact, a lot of historians will just reference them with a dash or a slash, the Idumean Nabataeans. So we don't really know how that happened. There's actually a ton about the Idumean Nabataeans we don't know at all. 
Um, and, and that's what just kind of makes it adds and it stokes the fire of the debate because they go from being this, the, the Idumeans, the Edomites, the Idumeans were, they, they were people that worked the spice trade. So if you were looking at that map and you notice where Edom was located, they're right next to that southern spice trade route. They capitalized on the spice trade, and it's where they made all their wealth. Now, history is going to tell us the Idumean Nabataeans were some of the most the wealthiest people of the ancient world because of their ability to work the spice trade. Now, for centuries, really for thousands of years, the Idumeans were a nomadic people. They worked the trade. They were very similar to their brothers, the Judeans, and they were nomadic in origin. And so they just, they didn't have cities. They didn't build cities. They had tents. They moved. They were mobile. They were nomadic. And then out of nowhere, they all of a sudden start building cities. And we still don't really know, according to history, how that transition took place because let's say you were to be, let's say you were nomadic, Brent. You and your family were nomadic for, you know, some thousand years, and you decide you're going to start building the city someday. What kind of a, how good do you think you're going to be at city building? Uh, not a lot of experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was pretty good at Sim City, but nevertheless, <laughs> I'm no civil engineer. Um, I can't. But I'll tell you, history t- history shows us the Nabataeans go from being nomadic to building these unbelievable cities. And the image that we're going to use for Obadiah is going to be the image of Petra. Now, some people, a lot of people know Petra. Petra sits in modern day Jordan. I actually got to take a troop, uh, a troop, a group on the change of plans. Uh, In 2014, we got to swing through Jordan. We got to actually visit Petra. It's not typically on my itinerary, but we got to go that year. And, um, yeah, it's it's quite a place. Uh, it's famous for which movie, Brent? Uh, from Indiana Jones Indiana and the Jones. Last Crusade. Yeah. Uh, there's a rock facade there that is the temple that he goes into. Now, in real life, that is actually just a facade. It's super anticlimactic if you get there because you're expecting like this city buried into the rocks that goes on for miles and it's only like 20 feet deep. But uh, they and were really actually, not that much different from the movie. There's yeah. really not a whole lot inside there. Yeah. There There's really those, is that little series of, you know, traps that he has to get through, but that's basically it. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, this is just a small little room once you look inside and it's really just a tomb. A lot of those rock facades serve as the front facades to tombs, but the things they were able to build there when you look at it are just astounding. And, and it was done during the Hellenistic period, obviously influenced by somebody somewhere, because they're very Hellenistic in design. Um, but man, do they impress. Now, that's not to say that there aren't underground cities, because they do build underground cities. They're not nearly as impressive as these famous facades that you see in the photos. But just to take a look at that is astounding, this people. They, so much is, is a mystery to history, how they were able to do the things that they did. Um, now what, uh, we're going to get to this in like session three, but can you remember Brent, what famous future biblical character is going to have their roots in the Idumean Nabataeans? Herod the Great. Herod the Great. Hold on to that, all of our listeners, because that's going to become very relevant information later, um, about why Herod is the way that he is and why he has so much of the wealth that he has. But this was a very mysterious but very sophisticated, very advanced, very um, wealthy people 
the Idumeans. And so I really encourage you to pull up that presentation, look at a few of those photos just to get an idea and an appreciation for who Edom is, who the book of Obadiah is being written to. Because I remember when we went back to Petra, we were on this road for half an hour, 40 minutes, as it weaved through the rocks. You had no idea what was waiting for you at the end. The whole location of Petra and other places like it for the Idumeans, they were rock fortresses. You could have never gotten an army back in there. You you couldn't have gotten more than 10 people, 20 people, shoulder by shoulder at a time through these rock passageways. So it serves as a natural fortress. They thought it was impenetrable. They thought it was a great defense. And that's going to play into the tone and what we hear from the prophet Obadiah. So Brent, do you want to read Obadiah? The vision of Obadiah. This is what the sovereign Lord says about Edom. We have heard a message from the Lord. An envoy was sent to the nations to say, Rise, let us go against her for battle. See, I will make you small among the nations. You will be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who live in the clefts of the rocks and make your home on the heights. You who say to yourself, Who can bring me down to the ground? So there's this... uh... There's that attitude of we've built these incredible rock fortresses. We're kind of out of the way. Even up to the days of Rome, Idumea was kind of this untouched oasis because Rome couldn't figure out how to get water to their armies to make it out to lay siege to the area. Idumea was really this unpenetrable, like they had the greatest defense or so they thought. And God says, you think you're you're so safe. You live in the clefts of the rock. You've got this pride in your heart that says, who can bring me down to the ground? Go ahead and keep going. Though you soar like the eagle and make your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. If thieves came to you, if robbers in the night, oh, what a disaster awaits you. Would they not steal only as much as they wanted? If grape pickers came to you, would they not leave a few grapes? But how Esau will be ransacked, his hidden treasures pillaged. All your allies will force you to the border. Your friends will deceive and overpower you. Those who eat your bread will set a trap for you, but you will not detect it. Okay, so God says you've got a pretty grim future awaiting you. I wonder what it is that has upset the Lord so much. I'm betting, Brent, it's going to be pretty normal stuff like what we've been examining in the prophets. But we shall see. In that day, declares the Lord, will I not destroy the wise men of Edom? Those of understanding in the mountains of Esau, your warriors, Taman, will be terrified, and everyone in Esau's mountains will be cut down in the slaughter. Because of the violence against your brother Jacob, you will be covered with shame. You will be destroyed forever. So God says, I'm angry because of the violence you did to your brother Jacob. I remember one of the images that I got from Bible college. I really liked um, our Old Testament professor uh, in talking about Obadiah. said, the picture you get is these people living in these clefts in the rocks, these rock fortresses, Petra. And here comes Judah, chased by Babylon. And Judah comes running into Petra. And and the people of Edom say, sorry, we can't help you. Keep on moving. And they take off. And here comes Babylon following. And the picture that my professor gave was it's almost like the people of of Edom kind of point and say, he went that way. Like they, they have no concern for the need of their brother and neighbor, uh, Judah. And so this is an interesting prophet because all their other prophets have been, 
the condemnation of the people of God for what they've done and why they're going to endure this. Yet this prophet is unique because it speaks to somebody outside that covenant relationship with God and says, even from you, I expect, even from you, I expect a a decent treatment of how you treat people. I expect everyone to have a, a, a decent level of respect for humanity and how you treat your brother. Go ahead and keep going. On the day you stood aloof while strangers carried off your brother's wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. You should not gloat over your brother in the day of his misfortune, nor rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their destruction, nor boast so much in the day of their trouble. You should not march through the gates of my people in the day of their disaster, nor gloat over them in their calamity in the day of their disaster, nor seize their wealth in the day of their disaster. You should not wait at the crossroads to cut down their fugitives, nor hand over their survivors in the day of their trouble. That does not paint a good picture. God says, I don't. It starts off by just standing aloof and doing nothing, which is in itself a convicting. Uh, it's not It's not okay to just stand there while other people suffer and do nothing about it. But then it kind of just keeps escalating. Not only that, but they kind of gloated and they smiled and they took pleasure. And then they took advantage. And then they actually took their survivors and it just kind of keeps escalating. Go ahead and keep going. It's not really good for Jacob though either. No. It's like, uh, don't forget disaster and disaster right. and disaster Correct. and disaster. Like, whoa. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I absolutely. Felt, I felt a little bit of a theme there as so I was reading through that part. <laughs> a little repetitive, right? Uh, uh, let's see. Verse 15. The day of the Lord is near for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your own head. Just as you drank on my holy hill, so all the nations will drink continually. They will drink and drink and be as if they had never been. But on Mount Zion will be deliverance, it will be holy, and Jacob will possess his inheritance. Jacob will be a fire and Joseph a flame. Esau will be stubble, and they will set him on fire and destroy him. There will be no survivors from Esau. The Lord has spoken. So in the midst of all that disaster, there is that same hope we see for Jacob. It's not going to last forever because Jacob will be restored, so to speak. Jacob will possess his inheritance is the quote there. All right, let's go and finish it up. Not a lot of hope for Esau, though. No, sir. (laughs) People from the Negev will occupy the mountains of Esau, and people from the foothills will possess the land of the Philistines. They will occupy the fields of Ephraim and Samaria, and Benjamin will possess Gilead. This company of Israelite exiles who are in Canaan will possess the land as far as Zarephath. Zarephath? Zarephath. Zarephat. The exiles from Jerusalem who are in Sepharad will possess the towns of the Negev. Deliverers will go up on Mount Zion to govern the mountains of Esau, and the kingdom will be the Lord's. Yeah. So yet another prophet that just continues to say, this is what God cares about. God cares about people. He cares about how you treat people. It makes him upset when you don't treat people well, but it makes him furious when you actually take advantage of people in need. God cares about people. And I know that we make the prophetic study, the study of the prophets, an academic exercise, but I hope that all of our listeners and all of our groups that discuss are taking to heart what this means in our day and age. What does it mean to care about people? Um, uh, and we got people on all kinds of sides of our discussions, politically, uh, 
just the way that we have our own worldviews. We're in different parts of the country. We have different defaults and different perspectives. I hope that whatever your perspective is, you're being challenged to consider the way that you treat people because this is the challenge and the condemnation of the prophets. And like what Jesus is saying later on about how, you know, even even the, uh, is this Jesus that I'm thinking of? Even the pagans take care of, you know. Yeah. Take care of their own family. Yeah, absolutely. And so Adom's here like, hey, you're you're not even taking care of your own brother. Absolutely. Yep. You're not even being good pagans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. All right. Uh, Obadiah, Petra. Yeah. Ovaja. Got it done. Ovaja. All right. Well, uh, join us for discussion groups. Find your own discussion groups. Uh, do whatever it takes. Get into the text together. Wrestle with this stuff. Uh, figure out what it looks like to to take care of your brother and to take care of your neighbors. Uh, of course, you can find all the details you need about the show on com. You can get a hold of Marty on Twitter at Marty Solomon. I'm at EIBCB. So thanks for joining us on the Baywalt Podcast. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>